0: So we're starting a new series this morning. I'm going to explain a little bit about what it means as we get to the end of the message. So just uh, just work with me here. But in the book of Colossians, there's this guy, his name is Epaphras. And we don't know his story, we're kind of piecing this together, but at some point, Epaphras becomes a Christian and he goes out to tell others about Jesus. And he he starts this church in the city of Colossae, which is modern-day Turkey, and uh the new believers there, for all we know, are just really thriving under his leadership. And that was true until some other voices, some other teachers started to come into the church and say different things, uh, spreading kind of a, a Jesus and gospel or a different gospel among them and they were saying, yeah, keep some of the teachings that Epaphras has taught you, but there was like mix in this teaching, this Gnostic thinking. We're going to talk about that next week, but uh, mix in some of this cultural, uh, religious thinking. Or some were saying, you know, you have, that's fine, but there's this, this, some of the Jewish law you still have to be uh, under a, a, and, and uh, adhering to in order for your faith to be real. And they started to hear these new messages that Epaphras hadn't taught them. And so what, what do you do if you're Epaphras? Well, I'll tell you what he did he went to visit Paul, the apostle Paul, who was uh, in, in prison in Rome or maybe on house arrest in Rome and he asked him for help. And I could hear Pastor Epaphras saying to, to Paul, listen, I, I wish you could meet these people. You would love them. They are doing incredibly well. They're growing every day. They're full of faith. They love one another unconditionally and so beautifully and, But we're having trouble keeping with the true gospel because there are just so many other voices coming in. Can you write to them? Can you you encourage them? Can you say something to them? Can you tell them that what I'm telling them is true? And so Paul puts pen to paper or quill to parchment or whatever they did back in house arrest in Rome. And he writes this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And Timothy, our brother. Timothy was with him. To God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your love in the Spirit. Your faith in Christ Jesus and and the love you have for all of God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf. And it has also told us of your love in the Spirit. So for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding the Spirit gives. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God Who is the Son? I'm so glad you asked. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Here's the one. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I really love that one. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in all things he might have the supremacy. And God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. See, once you were alienated from God, and enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out for you in the gospel. See, this is the gospel that you heard, and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I fill up, now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you and fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's suffering for the sake of his body, the church. I become a servant by the commission God gave me to present the, the word of God to you in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is, say this with me, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Because he is the one we proclaim. Admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Colossians chapter 1. I don't know why the Lord asked me to memorize the book of Colossians, but it was three years ago. It took me three years. Time to preach it, don't you think? (laughs) I didn't want it on the screen, and here's why. I wanted you to hear it as a letter to the church. Because this is literally what Paul's doing. He's listening to what Epaphras is saying about this beautiful young church who's struggling a little bit, and these are the things that he wants them to know. And friends, these are the things that we need to know. So to summarize, there's a lot in there. (laughs) There's There's just a lot in there. It basically said this, and you can just kind of skim down and follow along. We are so excited to hear about you from Epaphras, Paul is saying. Your faith is so beautiful. We've been praying for you. We've been praying all the things for you. And you should know that this is all possible because of Jesus. This is who he is, and he is amazing. We have been reconciled. Barbara and Anthony, let's talk about reconciliation. I was like, mm, Colossians 1, let's go, let's go, let's go. You didn't know, you didn't know, you didn't know. We've been reconciled to God because of Jesus. And this was always God's plan that we are living in now. So be encouraged, keep going. I have been, and and, and it will keep going for your sake and for my sake, and we will continue on in Christ. This is what Paul is saying in this first chapter. The book of Colossians is stunning because it has in- incredibly robust Christology meaning like who Jesus is that study of who Jesus is. And then and then it starts like this you're going to we're going to feel this in in chapter 1 and chapter 2 Uh, But even chapter 2 starts to transition from this Christology into this incredible how-to-do-this-in-real-life kind of stuff. It's like, here's the foundation of what you need to know in order to follow Christ and and to stay solid. like Your faith, established and firm. Like There's so much language in here. And then here's how you do that um, in your everyday life. There's so much of that going on here. And it's like this Jesus that you have put your faith in that's great. Okay, then, if we're going to do this and if we're going to follow Jesus, let's do it right. Let's live it. And here's what it's going to look like. That's what we're walking into in this letter to the church in Colossae. Paul and Timothy are uh, excited because they can tell that the gospel, that good news about Jesus we've been talking about for weeks now, has genuinely been transforming lives in Colossae. And they're, you can tell they're excited about it. They've seen it happening all over the place, and it's probably like a cup of cold water on a hot day for Paul and Timothy who are suffering for the gospel. And instead of, you know, I know not, not, not every report that they get from every church is probably positive, but here is Epaphras saying, these believers are so beautiful, and it was sort of like, yeah, this is worth it. I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Like, he's ready to go, <laughs> to keep going in what he's doing because of the testimony of this church. And there's this beautiful moment in verse 6. I think, actually, this is the first. I I, I just started uh, memorizing Colossians because I was challenged in one of our a women's group three years ago. COVID had just started, and I was like, uh, uh, the author of the book we were studying had memorized 2 uh, Timothy, I think it was, and I was like, you can't memorize a book of the Bible. That's just stupid. And then I was like, no, you probably can if you just tried, <laughs> if you just spent some time at it. And when I was, and I, I didn't really understand it, no, uh, I felt the Lord leading me to Colossians, and then uh, it was this verse, I don't know, that really made me think, I don't think I know this this book very well and in verse 6 he says since the day you heard about you heard it and truly understood God's grace that true moment of transformation the day that you truly understand God's grace i love that phrase and i was hooked from there it hits me right away they truly understood these people had not just heard the gospel they understood it to the point that they took a step of faith. They believed that His grace was true, and that for them, and it was for them, and it was freely given. They had understood the message of the gospel for real. They saw the display of Jesus' death on the cross for them, and they got it. They had been taught about it, and they put their faith in Him, and it unlocked a whole new life for them. So Paul is saying he he knows this. These are these are folks who have really like been touched by the grace of God. And he's trying to answer the question, what does this church need now? What does the church need now? Oh, of course, he goes on, as you keep scrolling with me here, the fullness of the Holy Spirit at work in their lives. In order for you to live out the grace of God in your life, he says, you're going to need all the wisdom and understanding the Spirit gives. And here's the thing, like, that, that you really can live a life that is worthy of the Lord and pleases Him in every way. Your life can literally be a response to this gift of salvation, forgiveness, and transformation. This is a life where you're growing and producing more than you ever thought possible. This is the life offered to you in Christ. And how? Because it's not from you. Because God did this work by rescuing you from the kingdom of darkness, bringing you into the kingdom of light, the one that is ruled by His Son. Right? Like all of this is possible in Christ, through the work of the Spirit in you. And I interrupted my, my own um, reading of the scriptures to say, Who is this Son? Mm, I'm glad you asked, because I feel like that's what Paul was saying. He was like, Into the Son, of, into the kingdom of the Son, whom he loves, through whom you have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And he's like, I got to tell him about Jesus. And then he just keeps going, you know? Let me tell you about He created everything, He has supremacy over all of it. And then God used his sacrifice on the cross to reconcile everything in creation, to make it right, to make what was broken right again. Everything that was wrong, everything that was alienated from God was brought back to him. Was A path was made back to God through Christ. And it's like Paul is saying to them and he's saying to us, I want you to know Jesus Like, I really want you to know Jesus. So what does all of this mean? Of course, he says, you're made clean. You have been washed, redeemed, forgiven, and bought with a high price. And God was pleased to do it. Did you read that language in there? He was pleased to do it because he loves you so much. And what's even more amazing in in this is that there's this crazy language, this language of the mystery of the gospel comes up over and over again in Colossians, uh, not just in chapter 1, but throughout. And there's a reason for it, because what they were hearing from their culture, which I'm going to try not to, I've already written that message, I'm going to try not to preach both at the same time. (laughs) That would be really weird. But what they're hearing from their culture is that there's like this, you know, the, the real mysteries of the universe are, are for only for special people who do special things and acts of spirituality that unlock certain things and whatever. So Paul uses this word mystery and said, oh, yeah, there is a mystery that was kept hidden for ages and generations. Yeah. You see, since the rebellion of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, we have needed a solution to our evil behavior. We have needed a solution. We cannot fix it on our own. The things in the past, uh, we're going to get into this later too, but specifically that Old Testament law, were a shadow of things to come, pointing towards the permanent solution to this problem. A promise that God was going to work out his good will and his good plan. And he says that that mystery of of what that was going to look like and and how God was going to work things out permanently is no longer a mystery if you're willing to accept the truth of who Jesus is in faith. Because what wasn't available for humanity before Jesus came is now freely offered to all. That life in Christ, alive and free from sin and death in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ dwelling in you, offering you reconciliation with God that he won on the cross. The gift of the Holy Spirit living in you, making his home in you, empowering you to live out this life in Christ every day. Like, all of this is encapsulated here. And that's why the this this unveiled mystery uh, is, is described as glorious riches. It's not the last time we're going to hear that phrase. See, in this case, the word mystery is not a puzzle or something unintelligible that you can't figure out. That's what the culture was saying to them. Sure, we can't know God or his purposes on our own, but in Christ, we have unlimited access to the stores of truth that we need. Everything that was hidden has been revealed in Christ, and Christ is in you, which means you are now part of the unveiling of that mystery. We ought to be in him to have access to it, but we have uh, the gift of that offered to us, so... Like, that's Colossians 1. Like I said, it was, uh, I think it was, I, I don't know, COVID craziness that made me say, if that person could memorize a book of the Bible, maybe I Googled, like, what's the shortest book in Like, I don't know how I did it. But for some reason, I was just, I was just drawn to Colossians and I don't know why. But I... As we got, as I got to the end of chapter one, which took me the better part of that first year, and this is not because it's that hard. I just want to be really clear about that. It's because I just wasn't disciplined to do it every single day, and so I had to keep coming back to it and re-upping it and all that kind of stuff, and I just decided to persevere. Um, then I put it on the calendar to preach on, and it's like, this is the end. <laughs> okay, we're gonna do this now. Um, so, but as I got to the end of, of this first chapter, I, I realized that, this, this might be why the Lord wanted this in my life, in, in my spirit. The simple message of the gospel is just presented here. This incredible good news that is for everyone, proclaimed to every creature under heaven. It's so simple, and it's, been, it's just like displayed here in this book for us, this letter. But alongside of that, Paul does not mince his words. There is a depth and a richness to this faith of ours that is unlimited because Christ is unlimited. And all of it is completely found in Jesus. There's this beautiful mixing of the simple truth of of the faith that we have in Christ, but then also all that is offered in a life in Christ, to know him, to live in him, to be transformed. It's vital then. That I become mature in my faith. I mean, that's what I really read. I read about I read about those greetings and those prayers from Paul and Timothy, and then uh, and then you know that great Christology section. You know, Christ is the image of the invisible God, and all of the things you read about all of that, and, and then Paul just describing to them also why it is that he is writing them this because God has commissioned him uh, to share the word of God in its fullness. But of course, he says right at the end of chapter one. That they feel the obligation, they feel the burden, they feel the calling to present everyone what? Fully mature in Christ. So it's my responsibility then too, to make sure that this is not, this uh, this is me growing in my faith. It's not just mental knowledge of who Jesus is, but it's a working out of who he is, a a living out of this glorious riches of this mystery of my faith so that I can become mature and not just stay where I started. So for me, it really became this, I desperately need to know Jesus then, don't I? I mean, I know Jesus, but I need to know Jesus I need to know what it means in my life that Christ is in me, the hope of glory. I need to actually get a hold of that so that like 11 a.m. on Tuesday morning, that still makes sense to me. Do you know what I'm saying? Not just here, maybe in your devotions in the morning, but it works itself out in my life. That's what I mean. And I need to know Jesus in that way where it's not, it's not weird. It's, he, he's an, an un. Uh, unveiled mystery for sure. There's so much. There's so much to him. He's infinite. Obviously, there's much more to learn. There's much more maturity to walk into. But that. But that. That would be real to me in every moment of my day and would affect my life. Like the, we would often say it like this: that God is not a. a I don't say how much of the pie of my life am I siphoning off. You know, for my devotions, for my God stuff. But that God is the pie. And everything fits inside of that. Uh, I stole that from Walt. I don't know if Walt's here this morning, but thank you for that. I think that was like 10 years ago when small groups, he said that. and never forgot it. I'm like, God is the pie. And everything else just goes into it. We just, we, we work our life around who Christ is, living, living that out in our lives. And so here are just like a couple of things that I want you to hear as we, as we start into the book of Colossians. How do I know Jesus some of you, this is old information, so just tuck it back in and maybe, maybe use it to teach somebody else. But for some of you, this might be brand new, so I want to be really clear. Here is the first way to know Jesus is to get to know him. What? It's like the, where is it, what's the reference? Proverbs 4, 7. The beginning of wisdom is this. Do you know what it is? Get wisdom. <laughs> the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Same kind of concept here. The first way to know Jesus is to get to know him. He is a mystery, but he has been unveiled. There, there's a lot that needed to be uh, unveiled, and that's why Christ came, but that's already been done, and he is available for you to know personally. What are some ways you can know Jesus? Well, I mean, there's a reference in Colossians to creation. Everything is created by him and sustained by him. Everything around you. Have you ever studied biology? You see Jesus this did, nothing makes sense without an intelligent creator. <laughs> nothing makes sense. Look at the stars and the heavens. Nothing makes sense without Jesus. And Colossians is so clear that everything was created through Him and for Him, that He created all things. So this is Jesus. You're 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 like gazing at your Creator. Romans 1:20 says for since the creation of the world God's invisible qualities his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse his fingerprints are all over creation so adjust your antenna and consider the world consider yourself consider the people in this room beautiful creation We can also get to know Jesus in the Gospels, of course. We we walked through that in the last few weeks as we were working our way towards Easter weekend. The story of his life, death, resurrection, ascension, the record of his teaching, his instruction, how he dealt with people. You want to know Jesus? Go into those Gospels and just like literally get to know him. I don't know if you've ever read the Gospels like that. I had somebody say to me recently, I'm just reading the red letters which is like a reference to a Bible that often anything that Jesus said is written in red. And, and I was like, I mean, the Bible's got a lot of good stuff. But if that's where you are and you don't know the Lord, read the red le- I mean, start there. Read the red letters. Find out what he said. Find out what he taught. Find out what he said to people. Find out how he cared. Find out what he didn't like and what he said you need to stop doing. I'm just saying, if you want to know Jesus... And, of course, the rest of Scripture, you can you can find Jesus. I love the Bible in a Year plan that we're doing as a church. Many of you are doing with us. Uh, I love how Nicky Gumbel, who's the director of Alpha, his, in his devotionals, he does such a good job of, point, of showing how the Old Testament points to Jesus like all the time, really showing us how, how all of this is pointing to Jesus. There's so much in Scripture there that's pointing to Jesus, foreshadowing the work he's going to do. And there's also... There's, I'm, almost, I'm almost apologetic that this is so simple, but it's, I'm not because it's not, it's simple, but it's, um, it's just literally prayer. Like if you want to get to know Jesus, you can literally just talk to him. Like if you want to get to know me, my Instagram page is not the way to do it. I will show you just what I want you to see very sporadically. Do you know what I'm saying? If you want to get to know me, then you're going to just chat with me. We're going to, you're, we're going to like find out about, we're going to find out each other's stories and that kind of thing. And this is sort of what prayer is like. You talk to God. You imagine that like, he actually hears you and listens. He cares about you because that's exactly what scripture says. Applying yourself to being um, in, in prayer, applying yourself to communicate with him and figure out what that looks like Knowing that it's, some days it's going to feel like nothing. Knowing that for some of you, you're going to need to journal stuff because you, you need something to do with your hands while you pray. For some of you, you're going to need to be like walking quietly and pray. I don't know. Some of you are just going to need to find a quiet place, whatever it is. But if you want to get to know Jesus, prayer is available to you in this moment. If you want to tune me out and just start to pray, that's fine with me. Like I'm, I'm cool with that. You talk to him, he's got amazing things to say to you. You learn in prayer to pour out your heart. You learn in prayer to trust him with your life. You learn in prayer to hear what his voice sounds like. You learn in prayer then even how to open the scriptures and see really who he is and how he he shows up on those pages for you. You learn that as you just kind of walk in prayer. And if you are not praying, if you're not finding patterns of prayer in your life, I'm not here to guilt you. If you feel guilty about that, then can you just say, I'm free from that right now. I'm here to tell you that don't don't miss the opportunity. Like, do not miss the opportunity because that is how you're going to get to know God. And and another way to, this is maybe a weird one, but another way to get to know Jesus is to know him as the Lord of all. I mean, this is what we've been learning about in Colossians here. He's the Lord of all, including you. Let Let me tell you what I mean by that. This is the part, I had to pause on this one when I was was, um, reading this to you too, but verse 17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Verse 17 tells me that the very cosmos, everything that I can see and everything that I can't, everything is being held together by Jesus. He's not like Atlas, straining to hold the world on his shoulders. This is literally his creation. Paul goes to great lengths to make sure that you know that. He is literal wisdom. He is the beginning. He has the supremacy over everything because he has conquered everything, even the brokenness that came out of our rebellion and our fall. There is nothing on earth or in heaven that is independent from Christ. Nothing. This is what this says. There is nothing that is not under his control. And when you figure that out, you will certainly get to know him. When you see everything as being his, you understand him in a different way. And it says, it does, it does not say here that Jesus was created in the image of God. Who was created in the image of God? That's right. Thank you. Yes, I had one, one brother say, that's me. I'm created in the image of God. Yes, we were created in the image of God. Absolutely. This is not what this says. It says that Christ is the image of the invisible God. In other words, seeing Jesus is seeing God. And it says he's the firstborn over all creation, which does not mean that he was the first one born. That's how we use the word. In the Greek and the Hebrew, what that means is it's like a title of authority. You're the firstborn. Like you are, the, you are not the first one born. You are the firstborn. It's a title of authority. Jesus, the head over everything. He's not the first one that came after the beginning. He is before time. That's what this means. And if he can do that, if he really does have the whole world in his his hands, if he's able to become God incarnate, the word made flesh and dwell among us, like I don't know what else I can say, but listen to me, he's got you. Like Like he's got you too. If your world is blowing apart, he's got you. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And that is why you have to know him. The hymn of the Bible, the Gospels, creation, the hymn that you meet in the quietness of prayer, whose peace and whose presence is promised to you, you've got to know him. Do you know him like that? And the second way to know Jesus is through his church. There's no way to know Jesus and reject the church. Did you know that? The church, oh, I know we're imperfect. But Jesus knew we would be, and he's still the head of the church. The church is what he created, and he is building. It's it's what he is the head over. Paul says this twice in Colossians, verse 18 and 24. And the the call that Paul feels as a minister of the gospel gives us insight into why this is non-negotiable for a Christian. He says, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we might present... Everyone fully mature in Christ. We have to do this life in Christ alone? No, we have to do it together. We have to do it together, period. There's no way around that. In fact, it was so important that Paul said he was joyfully suffering for the church. You read about some of the suffering that Paul went through? Joyfully suffering for the church, knowing that it was taking all of the energy he had. Sure, but he was actually just being filled with the power that Jesus was giving him for the work, because Jesus loves his church. And I get this because I love the church too, and I think you do too. She's the creation of Jesus, the expression of him in the, in the world. While we wait for him to come and make all things new, we need each other so that we could be taught and admonished. We need a catalyst to help us toward maturity in our faith so that we can stand unashamed before Jesus one day and and hear him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. We need each other to be able to do this. We need wisdom to grow. I don't have all of the wisdom. We need help reaching others with good news. We gotta do that together. We need his church. I call this series like and follow. Because, and it's tongue-in-cheek. All my sermon series have tongue-in-cheek titles. I don't know why. I'm just sarcastic by nature. Jesus is working on me. Uh, But because the way we understand liking and following someone in our culture is, of course, ridiculously shallow, right? Uh, Colossians shows us, though, in my mind, what it truly means. What it truly means. To know Jesus is to love him and to love his church. To follow him is to be transformed by getting to know him and being taught and maturing in the body and the church. Colossians just shows us this beautiful picture of what it means to like, love, and follow Jesus for real. Not clicking a button and letting your news feed just fill up. Actively pursuing, knowing him. So if I called this message, nobody follow, I know you guys don't even care to follow along, but this helps me, uh, but I called this message, Jesus Pick and Bio. <laughs> if you guys are like, what's that? You don't like your pick and bio? Like, okay, you know, this is, this is like Colossians 1 is Jesus Pick and Bio. He's the image of the invisible God, the creator, the reconciler of all things. And the question just is begging off the page. Do I truly like and follow him the way I'm being called to? I struggled writing this because, Matt, why don't you come? I struggled writing this uh, because I, uh, I felt, like, redundant <laughs> like, from our last series. Because you know what we talked about in our last series? Jesus. Uh, but, for <laughs> but for every time we've talked about who Jesus is, and every time that we do it in the future, there is always more. There's just always more. Scripture is pointing to him. All of it is pointing to him, to knowing him. And it points again and again and again to us, and so we continue to heed the call. We follow with our minds and hearts. I found that those who struggle in their faith are struggling on this point right here. They don't really know who Jesus is. It's not a philosophical agreement with these scriptures. It's knowing him and being a part of his body. And so I want to just invite you to allow that to become foundational. Like I said, in in Colossians, we're going to um, continue to walk through uh, now more of a practical application of what this looks like. But it's absolutely no accident that in, in chapter one, Paul says, we can't go to that until we're sure we understand this. I need you to know who Jesus is. I want, you to, I want you to like and follow for real. I want, I want you to see all that he is. I want you to see your part in his body. I want you to understand that he has all the supremacy because if we start from that premise, then we really can walk out this faith in a beautiful way. Being empowered, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience. So uh, I just want to allow that to to sink into our hearts. Ask Matt to sing Jesus at the center. So if you could just take a, a moment, just right where you're actually, you just can be seated. Just stay seated for a moment. I want you to think about this scripture. Maybe scroll through it again if you want to. And just listen to the lyrics of this song as a prayer and say, Jesus, would you be the center of my life? Would you be the center of my life? just take a moment to to reflect on that.